Welcome to SEC Football Live here, of course, on the 440 Sports Network. That is Michael Bratton from That SEC Podcast, and I am Braden Gall. And it is great to be here with you guys on what I assume for most of you in the Southeast is a very snowy, wintry, wonderland Tuesday. I know my children have been home for four straight days, and they're not going back anytime soon. <laughs> but you know what? Sledding is fun, and howdy cousins to everybody out there. Yes, so how's everybody doing? So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm doing great. We're snowed in, too. No no small children, just dogs. So they handle it quite all right. I'm, I'm not suffering like you. I'm, I enjoy it. No, no. So I love the snow and my daughters love the snow. The problem is, is that in Tennessee, they grow out of snow gear way too fast. So you can't just like you don't need to buy the gear every year. And so there's it's always hit or miss on what gear we have for the kid. Like for the seven year old this year, we've got like great uh, pants and like and gloves. But like the boots are out of out of date and they don't fit anymore. So like the boots are. But that means the five year old has great <laughs> boots. So like the five year old's feet are great, but the seven year old's legs are freezing. So we got to layer up and. It's just, but the sledding is awesome. We're going sledding later this afternoon, uh, and we're here to talk SEC football. So today on the show, I had a long conversation with a guy who covers Oklahoma football on the 440 Sports YouTube page. Head on over there. We're doing deep dives into every single team all offseason long, all different types of stories. Uh, so there you go. Florida is as familiar with snow as it is bowl games. It's only been a couple of years. It's only been a couple of years. Um, and so we're going to we forget the Las Vegas bowl. <laughs> That's right. Kick our uh, field goal as time expires to keep the scoring streak alive. Yeah. Uh, Michigan state head football coach, Jonathan Smith remembers all about it. Um, so I, I will say, um, we're going to talk Oklahoma at the end of this. I had a long conversation with Josh McQuiston, who's covered the Sooners for a very long time. Uh, you know, I know you had a chance to check out that video. If you have not seen it, go learn about the Sooners. We'll talk a little bit about the Sooners and the state of the program and where they're at uh, at the end of the show. We're going to rank some of these coaches. We've got Brent Venables, Steve Sarkeesian. You've got Jeff Levy. You now got Kalen DeBoer. You've got Mike Elko. All these new coaches are now in the league. We look. It looks like we've got the 16 coaches that are set that are going to be in the league in 24. So we'll take a look at where how we would rank these guys throughout the course of the show. But we'll start with Kalen DeBoer, of course, because. Uh, I think there's and, and sort of how we evaluate what makes a good coaching candidate in 2024. It's a little bit different these days. Uh, so, first of all, your your thoughts, Michael, on how fast the athletic department moved on this. Greg Byrne deserves a lot of credit for having a, somewhat of a plan in place. I don't think he was their first choice, but he was damn near top of the top of the list and a damn near good option. So and we'll get to why. But I, I, I assume that you're impressed with how Alabama has handled this and how quickly it worked. Not at all down to fifth or sixth option as per usual all these guys said no it's funny how people say that in less than 48 hours they had a coach i mean that doesn't even add up you know like you can <laughs> that makes no sense but um no i i wished it would have went like three weeks that would have been much better for, for me con for content <laughs> for the fine bomb show which little teaser i'll be on that here in a couple hours at oh. uh four eastern three central but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I was kind of disappointed how quickly the whole damn thing. I mean, I tweeted out it was kind of a joke, but not really. Imagine, you know, you're on like a, a break from your phone or what have you. You know, you're trying to – your new year, you're trying to trying to not be on your phone all the time. And Saban's your coach on Monday. That's when you took your break. And then you pick up your phone on Saturday, and they tweet out the graphic, to welcome Coach DeBoer. You, you'd say, what in the hell happened here? Um, it just – I don't know. It's it is a credit to them for uh, finding a, a very qualified coach very quickly, but it's it just it's just weird how quick the whole thing went from the greatest college coach of all time is in the rearview mirror, so to speak. 
Well, but here's the funny, the funny thing. He's he's not really, <laughs> actually. Uh, Liquid Flames, do you think they were planning this for a while and had a short list already in mind? I would argue if you have an athletic director and if you are a, a program of even just like top 50 status and your athletic director does not have a break glass in case of emergency list in his desk, then he's not doing his job. Now, it doesn't mean you can have communications with them all the time, it, but you can back channel to agents. You can kind of understand that these guys all know each other. All these coaches are buddies. All the assistants talk like school children. So they all kind of know who would say yes or no, even kind of if it's unofficial, right? And and again, I said this on last week's show when we reacted in real time to Saban retiring. If I felt the vibes that Saban could retire, which I've said on this show all season, I would not be surprised if Nick Saban retired at the end of the year. If I could feel those vibes from here, don't tell me that Greg Byrne and the boosters didn't feel it as well. And so they were prepared. They had a short list. They worked down that list very quickly. It helps that Jimmy Sexton is going to get somebody paid <laughs> in a big way. I Again, I don't think he was their first option, but I don't think that, that they asked too many folks before they got to him. This is a guy who just brought a team to the national championship. And we're going to get to it in a second. Sort of checks as many boxes as you can in, in 2024 going into a coaching situation where he may be a total failure. Or he may win national championships. We don't know. But we, we are all guessing at this. But you can check a lot of boxes, Mike, with Kalen DeBoer. So. Well, I don't recall who wrote it. But I remember, and I'm not going to pretend like I'm some DeBoer insider or anything, but uh, someone credible. I, it may have been Feldman or something like that. But basically, he said there was an opening that, and I think they may have been talking about Texas A&M. I've been meaning to, re, to, to talk to Billy Lucci about that. But I, I believe he, he had got an offer from A&M. He said he wasn't interested, but for obvious reasons, they were trying to win a national championship. But the point I, I read somewhere where he he passed on on basically all opportunities when he didn't even consider them because he was made aware that Michigan was going to open. They were going to target him, which is not open yet, but uh, or Alabama with Nick Saban retiring. And this was months ago. So. I, I clearly think they, they knew this was a possibility. Oh, for sure. And I mean, obviously. And what's interesting is, as we told you guys, names like Dabo and Kiffin were never really on the table. They're just not on the table. Now, we do know that Ryan Grubb, offensive coordinator, who was interviewed for the offensive coordinator position for Texas A&M last year, turned down the job. So the, these guys have all been hot. These guys have all been hot commodities on the coaching circle for, for market for a while. And we're going to get to how he can build a staff. But if he ends up with Ryan Grubb as his co offensive coordinator and Kane Womack as his defensive coordinator, who's been the head coach at a program the last three years at South Alabama, record-breaking 10-win season two years ago, top 30 in every major defensive statistic, I, I, I am going to make a very easy case that I think Alabama's play callers are – they went from league average last year with Tommy Reese and Kevin Steele – to two of the best, that one of the best combinations in the conference with Kalen DeBoer calling plays, maybe it's Ryan Grubb, but Kalen DeBoer with Kane Womack, I think, again, if you're looking for checking boxes as to why Kalen DeBoer will find success or be the right guy, the, 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 I don't know what box he misses outside of SEC culture fit, which, again, wasn't a factor when Nick Saban took over at LSU. It, it's, it's just not, a, it's not as big a factor as people realize. Boy, was stealing signs. They're saying in the comments. If you steal signs, it's that's it's like every baseball game. Like you, you, everybody is trying to steal signs. I don't. I, I've never watched South Alabama in my life, unless they played SEC. But someone in the comments, so I looked it up. They gave up fifty-two to Texas State. 
That's not great. Uh, 37 to Tulane. Tulane's pretty good, right? Uh, Central Michigan gave up 34. 31. They lost to James Madison. Oh, my God. Gave up 31. How many games did James Madison lose this year? I have, I have no idea. One. Oh, 11 and 2. Yeah, 2. They were one of the best teams in the country in the group of five. I never heard of them. Awful. He's a former president of the United States, but it's not that big a deal. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't worry about it. Okay, so here's the then I guess since you're just going to poo poo all of this stuff and and not have a serious conversation, uh, here's what I would say: Why Kalen DeBoer? And this does not mean he's going to be successful, but why Kalen DeBoer is a hot commodity and why he is a good fit and why he's as about as good as you could do. Listen, I would have hired Dan Lanning if you could have. It sounds like that wasn't possible. It, Dan Lanning's the only one. He is Kalen DeBoer with a little bit more physicality and some ties, deep ties to the SEC. That's the only, that's the only difference between the two of them. He's a defensive guy, obviously, as well. Kalen DeBoer may be the, the most brilliant offensive mind in all of college football. If he's not, he's tied with Steve Sarkeesian and Lane Kiffin amongst the top three or four or five names Heupel. in all of college football. Right? You didn't mention Heupel. Heupel's, I, I think how, Heupel's, how dare you? I think Heupel's a tear down from that. I think his offense is a little bit more predictable. But he's evolving. He's evolving. The guys that are the guys that are again one of the best play callers, one of the best offensive minds in all of college football. Number two, he's won everywhere he's been. He's never not won. <laughs> he won championships at Sioux Falls at a lower level. He's won at Fresno State. He's won at Washington. Played in the national championship game, and of course, uh, had the best offensive and the best season in Indiana football history. Basically, but oh, by the way, with Kane Womack just a couple of years ago. So. Could you argue that at Fresno, though, he had an NFL quarterback at Washington? No. He's going to have a future NFL quarterback? That he did, and he, and, and he got the most out of him. If you look at Penix with DeBoer and Penix without DeBoer, there's very big differences. And Jake Hayner is not an NFL quarterback. So Didn't he get drafted? That's that's, not, he's, not a, he's, not a, he's not even like close to a starting spot in the NFL quarterback. So if he's a journeyman. That's a quarterback, though, isn't it? I, I, I would, Jake Hayner is not an NFL quarterback. Caleb Williams is an NFL quarterback. Anyway, um, the winning is on, on, you can't, you can't question the winning. You can't question the offensive production. And if he builds a staff with Ryan Grubb and K and Kane Womack, you can't argue staff building, although he didn't draw Robinson back from Georgia, but it looks like he's going to retain a few people right off the Alabama staff. Uh, it certainly helps that Nick Saban is still like lingering, which is a weird part of this whole thing. But here's the other thing that I think is most important that people don't, don't realize. And it's a huge question in the sec can you recruit in the sec well aren't we sort of and you've argued this a, a lot on this show mike that we are in a different time of it's not just 25 guy recruiting classes every single year and that's all that matters it's about roster management right portal nil changes the balance of power well by all accounts and what i've learned sort of digging in over the years with him in washington is that washington's nil infrastructure and collective infrastructure was as good as anybody's in the pac-12 that they were going to be among the best in the Big Ten at managing their roster because they had committed to all the things you have to do behind the scenes to build a great roster. Oregon's the only other team, supposedly, in the Pac-12 that is competitive with Washington when it comes to this stuff, which is a direct reflection of the head coach. And so if you're going to say, can he recruit in the SEC? Fair question. But it looks like he's embraced the modern rules of college football, something that Nick Saban hated with every fiber of his being, and is partly why he walked away. So I'm not sure what other box you can check going into a job than K than what Kalen DeBoer checks. And I'm not suggesting he's going to win a damn thing. I'm just saying he checks all the boxes. That Hayner was a fourth-round pick. I just looked it up. I'm just saying. 
Okay. I'm not saying he wasn't good, but why was he good? Maybe Caitlin DeBoer had something to do with it. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, Possibly. the guy's been the guy's been a winner. There's he's never not been a winner. You can't argue that. He's he's won everywhere he's ever been. His offenses have been elite everywhere he's ever been. I mean, I, I watched Jeremy Pruitt shut him down. That's pretty, <laughs> that's, that's pretty devastating. Indiana bowling game, but uh, no, no, I mean now, Indiana players. Give me a break. Yep, that's true. Indiana players like Michael Penix, uh, but former Tennessee commitment. <laughs> that's that's what I hear. I've heard that once or twice. Oh yeah. Um, was there a question in there? Could they have done it? No, I mean I don't. I don't really think short okay, of Kirby what, Smart. I don't. I don't think they could have done much better. Okay, so then you're not like you, you, all, all, everything you're saying here is is sort of pushing back and being critical of this. Oh, Alabama could have gotten somebody better oh Kane Womack's not that great oh his his quarterbacks were NFL like you've nothing you've said has been positive about Kalen DeBoer so I'm asking what is it that it's like what else that could he be what what else could be on his resume that could that would convince you even though you just changed your mind and said oh actually I think it's as good as they could have done like I'm I'm just confused where you stand on this Mm. Uh, no I'm just just taking the other side here and, and making points, but okay, um, okay. that's good. Because I, I don't watch South Alabama, I don't I don't know anything about them. But um, I have heard they run a four two five defense. Um, and I, I don't know if this is a fair criticism either, but you know, not it's not apples to apples or or whatever the hell they say. But um, you know, look at Mississippi State this year with bringing back their quarterback, bringing back a good running back. But those players were trained under Mike Leach, right? Obviously. And then they go to this new system, which Mississippi State fans hate Kevin Barbe now, but he came with a very very solid track record of explosive offenses, highly successful. Now you're asking them to do something completely different. They were they were not capable of doing that. Um, Alabama's going to have a top three roster, even with some defections. So I'm not questioning the talent, but... If they go to a four-two-five, and again, I have no idea if that's what they're going to do, but if they completely change gears from the Nick Saban defense, even with great players, I think that's a risk too. And uh, you know, it, maybe it would be foolish to just try to get a, a lesser version of Nick Saban because that that guy's not out there. <laughs> they don't exist. They don't unless exist. it is Jeremy Pruitt, which they apparently they can't even hire him. But oh, um, I mean, there, there's enough guys hurt. out there. You mean that? that are, okay, so that. oh, you mean run the defense? Right. Um, correct. Again, I don't. I I, I don't understand. Again, I S. Hobson says it's crazy that Alabama just can't go get top coaches now. What the fuck are you talking about? I agree. Wait, what with are you. you talking about? This is a this is the the guy who almost won the national championship. I don't I don't understand. Like, who, who are you supposed to? Dab, Dabo Sweeney is not a better hire. Dabo Sweeney hates the transfer portal, has not learned how to evolve. His program's on the decline. He's a very good coach in 2018. What, 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 what are we talking about here? You didn't get Steve Sarkeesian to leave Texas? Okay, fine. That's, maybe they should have hired the TCU coach. <laughs> so he's not. Kalen DeBoer is better than the TCU coach. Oh, he went to the Master Championship too, Braden. He must yeah. be elite. And and look what happened to Sonny Dykes. He, Sonny Dykes <laughs> is a re... Sonny, okay, guys, use freaking context. Sonny Dykes is a retread was a longtime Power 5 head coach at Cal and then had to work his way back up. He had, he's had he been tried before. This is a guy who's on a rocket ship and continues to get better jobs and continues to win because his offense is unstoppable. No matter who his quarterback is, no matter what level of football he's on, he wins championships. At Dan Again, Dan Lanning, 
maybe I'd go hire him. I would not hire Lane Kiffin over Kalen DeBoer. I wouldn't do it. I mean, these these commenters, I think, are all on it. I mean, his defense awful. Had elite quarterback, elite receivers. Did you see how much this is the, Auburn two point brother? Oh my God, you guys, you guys have no ability to manage context. If he was, if he was playing in the SEC, yeah, it would have been fourth or fifth in the West, probably. Guys, Washington's recruiting class, average recruiting class over the last five years was thirty fourth in the nation. It is the lowest. Can't recruit. It is the lowest rated roster to make it that far uh, outside of TCU in 30 years. And look how much better they were in their situation than TCU was. Now, they didn't have to play Georgia. I will acknowledge that is the one argument of context you can throw out there. If Washington had to play Georgia, I would be much more interested to see what would happen. But Michigan's pretty damn good. But again, who who is, like, again, if that was sarcasm, uh, then I apologize. But if that, you know, if Hobson really does believe, like, I, I don't understand who's the name, like, is Bill Belichick, Vince Lombardi, like John Wooden, Belichick like, was available. Just John saying. Madden's not available. You know, like I don't. Who who do you think is supposed to be? Who is better than the guy that again? Checks Billy every Napier, box? Gus. Gus would take it in a heartbeat. Gus Balzon is <laughs> not a terrible, not a terrible idea. <laughs> Billy Napier was a great winner. Never did it at the Power Five level. Certainly never got to the national championship game. I, I don't. Oh, I love you guys. So, I love you guys so much, but I don't under I don't understand. I don't understand. Does um, it does it disturb anyone else? Um, I'm going to throw this guy's image up here in a second. Just give me, just give me a couple seconds. Uh, for those. Oh, by the way, Ill, Ill, Mid, Ill Midnight says, as an Oklahoma fan, I'm not scared of a DeBoer defense. I think that is a fair question, which is why is it so? Which is why it's so impressive that he can go pull a sitting head football coach to be a coordinator. It's not a demotion to go from South Alabama to Alabama, obviously. But going from head coach for three years and having one of the best seasons in South Alabama history, who's who's been around the SEC for like 50 years with his father uh, and, and is clearly a very good defensive coach. They are a very good defensive team at his level. And to take a guy who is a sitting head coach and get him to become a coordinator, that is the sign of a guy who has good relationships with people and can lure. That's a big boy move. Now, if that's how mm. if that's how the defense like, lost you, Rob. He, he, fine, he went to Georgia. <laughs> Could have been the play caller. Georgia's great. Here, here's the ultimate thing: Can you build a staff? Is the question. And if he's got, if he's got Ryan Ryan Grubb and Kane Womack, that's a really really good start. Can he recruit? Well, I don't know. Nobody knows. We'll have to find out. But he his infrastructure that he built out to manage the modern roster stuff was brilliant at Washington. Is brilliant. Can he win? Well, everywhere he's been, he won. He wins. And is Alabama's offense going to be amongst the best in the country? Yes, he's the best, one of the best offensive minds in the country. So I don't. Not with uh, Milrow. I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, you're right. Jay Milrow and Kalen DeBoer. So we know Jed Fish, the guy that replaced him, right? Arizona coach. This this highly disturbs me. How close he looks like Gus Malzahn. (laughs) (laughs) But doesn't he look just like him? He does. He kind of does. You're right about that. I mean, I thought that was Gus. I thought they like photoshopped in Arizona. Oh my God, that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. I like that. Jed, Jed Fish, by the way, um, basically totally proved everybody wrong in Arizona. Nobody liked that. Nobody liked that hire, including uh, uh, a lot of folks in the, that were expert, experts like like you and I uh, in the Pac-12. So, look, I, the other question is what are expectations and what should be expectations at Alabama? Because it shouldn't be that hard with a quarterback who finished top six in the Heisman, who was one of the most dynamic players in the country, 
as you just said, a roster at Alabama that's going to be top three in the country. It, there's a learning curve, and living up to Saban's standard is unfair for any human alive. But making the playoff right out of the gate is is you're not trying to rebuild here at Alabama. What if he misses the playoff, they run his ass off. I mean, nine and three is not going to go over well. And I'm okay with expectations being high. I don't have a problem with that. What's your thoughts on uh, the fact that he's an underdog in his first SEC game while Saban was underdog five times in the last 209 games? What's their first matchup? Is it George? Is it, it's not Georgia, right? Georgia at all. Oh, it is Georgia. Okay. Well, <laughs> you're not supposed to know that context, but. <laughs> oh, oh, forget, forget about, forget about that. <laughs> Top six in the Heisman is not a little silly. He's one of the most dynamic players in the entire country. And he, in the fourth quarter against Georgia, against what I would call the best team in America, the Georgia Bulldogs, he played a brilliant football game and he got better as the season went along. So I don't, J- Jalen Milrow is like Michael Vick Jr. So I don't, I don't know why people are down on Jalen Milrow. He's not, he's not elite. He's not number one. But he lost a, a game, so he's. But he's, that, mean, that means he's awful. Yes, know? his his center couldn't get him the football. <laughs> it's all Jalen Milrow's fault. Uh, here's what I would say. I'm looking at all these, and we'll, we can rank these coaches too. But I'm looking at all these coaches, and there's not too many head coach quarterback combinations in the SEC that I would take over DeBoer and Milrow. Smart and Beck. I would take DeBoer and Milrow over Kiffin and Dart. And I know what you're going to say. You think Heupel and Nico could be better, but I would take DeBoer and Milrow right now. Far, both of them are more proven. DeBoer has won more than Heupel, and Milrow has won more than Nico. But other than uh, that... Who's, who's undefeated in 2024? Who's... It ain't Milrow. Uh, who, who is, who's better? What's a Nico. better coach? What's a better offensive coach and quarterback combination in the SEC next year? Which one's better? Pipel and Nico. Okay. And That's Kirby. Pure, and pure Carson, Carson Beck. I would say Beck and Smart is number one. Kiffin and Dart. I would, sure, I would take DeBoer. Sure. I would take DeBoer and Milrow. Milrow is a better version of Jackson Dart. I don't understand what you're talking Sarkeesian about. Sarkeesian and Ewers. That's a good one. Brent Venables, Jackson Arnold. That's not an offensive coach, but and Jackson Arnold hasn't started a football game yet. Well, we got a yeah, he did. He did the bowl game. That's we, not a we, football game. Do we have to go? Why do we have to go just offense? Why can't we just say coach? Well, I was trying to. Well, you have to go with the coordinator then. Who's the, the scheme, the offense, the play caller, like the the guy creating it? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I guess you're right. I shouldn't put Smart in there. I guess you're right. That needs to be Mike Bobo and Carson Beck. You're right. But if but if you're right, if we're going to go defense and it's going to be fair. Um, Billy Napier and Mertz. <laughs> Mertz was really good. I thought. I agree. I agree. But that's not in the mix. Um, I mean, Drinkowitz and and Cook is on that list for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Thank you, thank you, Doug Shelton. Good, good miso call there. soup down there. Um, why am I drawing a blank on te- Mike Elko's coordinator, offensive coordinator? I'm drawing a total blank on that right now. Colin um, Klein. Oh yeah, I like him. Elite. I like, I like him. He's a good play caller. Uh, I I think it's. Kiffin, Dart, Hypel, Nico, DeBoer, Milrow, Sark, Ewers. Uh, I think LSU is going to be better than people think. Kelly and Nussmeyer is going to be solid. But then Smart and Beck. But, like, again, I would I would put DeBoer maximizing Milrow's talent near the top of the list. So it's not, it's not mm-hmm. an air raid. Like, I don't – I mean, he doesn't run an air raid offense. That's not really what he runs. So How, how good was uh, Washington in 22? I'm going to look at that up. The offense? No, just they were freaking. I'm seeing good. some losses here. UCLA, come on. Arizona State. 
11 and 2 just ain't going to cut it at Bama. <laughs> He's an awful year one coach. So there's going to be a drop off. I, I think it's hard to ask anybody to do what Nick Saban did. I don't think that's fair. I, I don't think it's, that's the task. It's fair. But I think it's fair to have high expectations. So I think there's this weird, you know, 10 and 2 make the playoffs, I think is probably what you need to do to right. sort of. Yeah, oh, yeah. 10 to, and 2 in the SEC, you'll, you should get there. Especially with that logo on your chest, whether they deserve it or not, they'll th they'll throw them in there. Yes, Turd Ferguson, Alabama was eleven and two this year. That is correct, and I think they were. And they ran Saban's ass eleven off. and two last year as well. <laughs> they ran Saban off. I do love that. Um, Lebby, so I find the Browns' offense to be utterly fascinating because it's 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 always been limited. It's never been able to get over a championship caliber hump and. The, the teams with the best players always beat that offense over time, not in every game, but over time. And so with more and more people running it, I'm more and more interested in, in, in if it's evolving and, and gaining the ability to sort of advance itself, if that makes sense. Because the Sarkeesian offense is the offense that is truly like when it's run well, that is like that's that, that and Kiffin and DeBoer are like the three offenses that no one can stop. And so I, I Baylor's not the offense. Baylor's an offense that gets stopped by by better teams normally. What? Like South Carolina. They, did, it, they well, didn't stop Tennessee. It's, it's, Tennessee scored 38 on the road. I, I, that should be good enough to win. I would call – so, Kalen DeBoer being called an air raid is just not – I don't think that's fair to DeBoer or the air raid. I mean, there are certainly principles off of that. There are certainly things that he does off of that. But he also ran an incredibly slow offense at times when he wanted to. They ran the ball like crazy in the games that they needed to, namely Oregon, USC, critical games where they had to run the football. Mike Leach refuses to run the football at any point during his life, almost on purpose. So I don't think you call it – I don't think it's – it's the evolution of the air raid. It's the next evolution of it. It's not – it's not 75 pass attempts and 79 pass attempts and four yard passing shots. I mean, he was throwing outside the numbers down the field better than anybody in the country. That's not what Mike Leach's system is about. It, it's just not. So it, it's, it doesn't mean it doesn't have some elements of it. it. It just is, it's way more evolved than, than air raid. Cause you start mixing in. It's actually, it's probably Baylor and air raid mixed together. And when you do that, that's when you get sort of the best offenses you got, which is like Lincoln Riley's offense. I think I can state your case perfectly right here, Braden. Go for it. Very good player, Dylan Johnson, right? Mississippi State, then transferred to Washington. This He played under Mike Leach and DeBoer here. Uh, the first three years, he played under Leach. 51 carries, 89 <laughs> carries, 89 carries. And then DeBoer year? 233 carries. I mean, this how many, is not... How, how many yards? <laughs> this is not air raid. You know what I yeah, mean? That's, not not that's what Mike I'm Leach air raid. Uh, to, yeah, yeah I thought 11, nearly 1,200 rushing yards, which yeah. is more... No, his three years at Mississippi State, Braden, 1,198 rushing yards. One year at Washington, 1,195. So just three yards less in, in just one season. So I think this is really important to note, actually. This is an important – I think that's a really great stat, Mike, and I appreciate you digging that up. When I taught, when Mike Leach passed away, and I had a chance to work with him, so I, I wanted to do some extra digging on what made him special. 
not not as a person, but as a football coach, like schematically when he was rubbing when he was run, running those bubble screens working for Hal Mummy at Kentucky with Tim Couch. And what what makes him interest, what made Mike Leach so fantastic was sort of, he, I mean, again, I think he's the most influential mind in all of football in our generation, not not just college, high school, college pro. I think he's the most influential mind of all time. In, well, uh, sorry, of our generation. But when I talk to coaches, I talk to a lot of coordinators around the college game. I talked to a few head coaches around the college game, and I was trying to do digging on because Mike Leach refused to evolve on his own. It was his choice. Mike Leach refused to add the running game when needed to make the air raid a more difficult offense to stop. Because you have to run the football in three situations. You have to run the football when you have to run the football. Short yardage, goal line, bad weather, and a lead. you got to be able to run the football in those situations. And Mike Leach sort of stubbornly refused to do it. And when I asked coaches what was what what was the next step, what should he have done to evolve his offense to the next level? It always started with Cliff Kingsbury and the what what he did at Houston and Texas A&M with Johnny Manziel and Houston running the like ru- adding the running game in. Then the Baylor system came off of that and that and that everyone to a person said that Lincoln Riley was the best offensive scheme off of the air raid system because of its ability to run the football mixed with its ability to throw the football. And Kalen DeBoer fits into that mold of offense. Steve Sarkeesian fits into that mold of offense. Lane Kiffin fits into that mold of the offense. And so it really is the air raid evolved into its more most potent form, if that makes sense. And that's not for me. That's from coaches in college football, coordinators. Hmm. Well said. I don't, I don't have anything to add to that. Great. <laughs> All right. Uh, number one coach in the SEC is Kirby Smart. No argument there, right? Okay. Hmm. Okay. All right. All right. Not Clark Lee. <laughs> All right. All right. Number two, who is the second best coach in the SEC currently? Um, hell, I don't know. I <laughs> Well, just let's hear your list. Let's 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 pick apart your list here. I reluctantly have Brian Kelly and Steve Sarkeesian at two and three. Oh man! Oh, man. Okay, pick Wait. it apart. Go for it. How drunk were you? You you're you must be uh, cab cabin fever. That, that's what they call it, right? You got cabin fever, Sarkeesian. I was driving all around. Sarkeesian, uh, top two. What has he ever done? I have Brian Kelly and Steve Sarkeesian at two and three. That's my list. You know, he faces one team in his league that has equal talent to him. And he lost to him this year. All the rest, he's supposed to win. And this is the first year he's done it. Which one are you talking about? Oklahoma. Are you talking about Sarkeesian or Kelly? Sarkeesian. Okay. So you disagree. Who's Who's number two for you then? Well, I don't have a list. I'm just picking years apart. But Brian Kelly, oh, that's, that's easy probably, to do. That's probably a good call. I don't. Okay, all right. He's, and he's I'm not a, saying my list is better solid. than anybody else's. It's just my opinion. Number four on my list. You're gonna love this one. Didn't he go four and eight one year though? <sighs> what in like 2016 before he went back to the playoff multiple years? Get him out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, uh, I've got Kalen DeBoer at number four. After two years in the Power Five, let's just let's just crown his ass. I think he could. I think he could be higher. <laughs> I 
I've never seen a human being contradict themselves in back-to-back sentences. But I, but I, but I wouldn't put him there. I'm, okay, saying, so, I'm saying he could be. So you're okay with Brian Kelly at two. You disagree, it sounds like, with Sark at three. Where are you putting Kalen DeBoer then? You, you okay with you, so? Are you good with four? You think he should be higher or lower? Make your case. Use words. Um, I definitely put him lower. He's got to earn it. Okay, I've got Lane Kiffin at five. That's that's probably fair. I'm still okay. I'm still not seeing Hypo here for some reason. I've got Hypo at six. He's pretty elite. I think Although that's a line. Year, I think that's I think that's the line. He's not elite. He hasn't won anything yet. But I think that's the line. Those orange Bowl, six. baby. Beat Bama. God, those Orange Bowls don't fucking mean anything. Last time Saban top stepped six. into kneeling, he came out a loser. I think the top six. Last time Heupel stepped into Faro Field, he lost by 30. <laughs> that's a tough place to play. <laughs> yes, it is. It's cold as hell right now. I think they lost one game up there this year. Uh, the top six, in my opinion, are clearly the top six. Like, they are clearly better than everybody else, and Kirby's clearly number one. So if you want to argue Brian Kelly, Steve Sarkeesian, Caitlin DeBoer, Lane Kiffin, Josh Heupel, I am totally comfortable with whatever order you want to put those guys in. I But, like, I, I think DeBoer and Kiffin and Heupel are among, and Sarkeesian are probably the four best offensive minds in the conference right now. You can, you can rank them how you'd like to. They have different varying degrees of success on their resume. Um, I think Brian Kelly, it's almost by default that he gets number two on my list because he's just he's been around so long. He's the winningest coach in Notre Dame history, a national championship game, two playoff appearances, a SEC West division. There's just no – there's no real – like there's no clear number two. So if you wanted to put Sark at number two, I'm fine with that. If you wanted to put DeBoer at two, I'm fine with that. Kiffin has to accomplish a little bit more for me to be him to put him on that level. Hypo needs to accomplish more than to be put on that level. Uh, and I would have Eli Drinkowitz at, at the very next level, very next. But what one great year for Drinkowitz is not, you know, again, the other guys have done a little bit more. And Drinkowitz is would be at number seven for me. So over the, Hugh, the six, I think the, the top six, I think, are the top six over Elko. My next, my next three are over the Dr- guy that you say is the best. Kentucky coach of all time, Mark Stoops. Uh, if you don't care about what I think, you don't have to listen to the show. Like we're just here having fun talking college football. So, <laughs> like you, you're cares? the one signed. You're the one signed into the show. What are you talking about? <laughs> so, so, I got I got Drinkowitz at seven. Mm-hmm. I got Elko at eight, but that's a little bit of a projection. But what he did at Duke was truly special. Like truly special. I've got. Uh, freeze, stoops, and Venables all in a group. That's very hard to dis- to d- differentiate. And then I've got Napier at twelve, Beamer at thirteen, Levy at fourteen, Pittman at fifteen, Lee at sixteen. That is sort of my my list. Um, I, I could I could I think there's bunches there that are smart debates. Wait, and you I, got you got Clark Lee below Jeff Levy? Uh, right now, yeah, I got Levy at fourteen. But you're right, I could put Levy at sixteen. That's fine. He's not, he's not coached a damn game yet. When the levy breaks, we'll see what happens. Uh, Clark I Lee's think, he's two upsets, at least. Well, but Le- Levy's offensive. I mean, Levy's done a lot as a coordinator, and he did a lot as a recruiter. So did Clark Lee, didn't he, at Notre Dame uh, and maybe Wake Forest know. or something it's, like it's that? It's my fucking list. Um, so yeah, I'm fine with Levy at the end. I think the bottom three are Levy, Pittman, Lee, and I think Beamer is a, a slight tick ahead of them. Although we're going to learn a lot about all these guys this year. We're going to learn a lot about them. Um, 
Uh, Tyler, what Braden says, what's the criteria for the full list body? It, well, I, I think it is the body of work with context added in and maybe progress or, or development that those guys have made. Like Lane Kiffin as the USC coach and the Tennessee coach and the Raiders coach was still a really good coach, but like not, he was clearly not much. He's like a different person today. Right. So I think you have to take that into account. Um, you know, Hypel was fired as an offensive coordinator from his alma mater, but like, he's clearly gotten better. He's clearly evolved. He's clearly learned how to be a better coach and a better leader. And a, he's a great CEO. So like certain things that you do on the way up are different than certain things you do as a head coach. Right. And, and the, and the jobs call for different skill sets even. So it's, I mean, it's, it, it's a generic broad based. What's your opinion? Um, Where did you have Beamer again? I would have Beamer at 13 right ahead of the bottom three, which is Levy, Pittman, and Lee in whatever order you want to put them in. How you feel about that? I heard something on Feinbaum the other day. You'll probably disagree with it, but he was talking to old Steve Spurrier. And Spurrier said, uh, do you see this where Napier's got odds to be the next Alabama coach? <laughs> and Paul said... We're looking at different lists, <laughs> but he said three years he, ago he would have been on the list. Which, sure, you know, I don't. I don't think he would have been very high on the list, but I think he would have been on the list. So I, I think that. So it maybe Mel Tucker would have been on the list too, right? Like, just the point being, this this changes so drastically in just two I, or three yeah, years. You know, what? I agree. It's I agree. wild. I mean, Be- Beamer would have been much higher on this list, which is to to Tyler Pittman as well. To, Yes, and to Tyler's point, I think, I think that's ultimate, a lot lower. Right, I think that's why you have to try to not overreact too much to the short term, and try to look at the entire body of work, which includes a whole lot of things. Again, for 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 Lane Kiffin, it, it includes a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> it's just, it's a whole lot of stuff that 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 include like with Elko, it's sort of like all right, we know he's a really great defensive coordinator, we know that he's a great defensive mind, but then what he accomplished at Duke. Can he do that at AM? I don't know. I, we think so. They certainly think so. They've paid him a lot of money to do so, but we don't know. We, we haven't seen it yet. But what he did at Duke was nothing short of amazing. So is that worth more than what Stoops has done at Kentucky? I, I, I don't know. Kentucky's done he's done it at Kentucky for much longer than Elko did it at Duke. But they were basically the same guy. Great defensive coordinator, sort of aw shucks guys, you know, kind of funny off the air, you know, good defensive minds, culture guys. Very similar individuals. One guy's done it a lot longer at a at a at a basketball school, and the other guy did it for two years at a basketball school. So I don't like. How do we mm. know? How do we know who's better? I'll lean Elko just as a slight tiny margin, but you know. But could you also argue that's because there's like unknown with Elko? Like he can win a national yeah. championship, and yeah. we're like we're sitting here saying, well, maybe that's just. Whereas Mark Stoops probably never will at Kentucky, but. There's no, there's no given that Mike Elko is going to win ten games multiple times at A and M. Right, but exactly. Stoops has done it, so exactly. he, should, he should get credit for that. Exactly. Uh, I completely agree with you. Liquid Flame says, "Wasn't Kiffin the head coach of the Raiders?" Yes, he was the youngest head coach in NFL history, which means somebody liked him for something. And honestly, in the 15 years that Tennessee wandered the desert, that 2009 team was probably the best coach team that Tennessee had in that entire time that they wandered the desert. And and then he left. USC was good for a quick hot second, and then it came crumbling down because he wasn't mature enough to handle it. He went to Alabama. Some would say he wasn't all that mature there either, but he has grown and learned and evolved and matured and is now running a program that has won 10 games 
in the regular season at Ole Miss, which is a record. So you kind of have to see the evolution and give credit to the evolution, which is why I can't put him at number one, two, or three. But it's why I think he's better than like Elko, Drinkowitz, Stoops, Venables, because I think he's accomplished a lot more. That's that's why I would I think he's a better offensive mind than some of those other guys. So do you agree with Andrew here? I don't understand this comment. Kirby's going to get out coached every year in the playoff. I'm not sure by who, though. Like, what is he talking about? Are you just trolling, Andrew? <laughs> I mean, he, str- having, he struggled you, right off the bat, but as does everybody against Bama, you know? Are you, are you talking about just against Alabama? I mean, I'm trying to think of where Kirby Smart's sitting here getting outclassed. I mean, Dan Mullen got him once, right? Uh, he, he made a bad fourth down decision against Vanderbilt in like 2015 or something. 16. 16. But like, yeah, other than that. SH says Cooper has never lost the CFP game. <laughs> <laughs> That's sort of a the end of the conversation there at that point. <laughs> Wait, no, he's certainly lost a college football playoff game. Tua, hello. That was Kirby. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a, in the championship game. I would say, now, he get, I would say he got out. I don't know if I'll coach even the right word. I mean, no, Saban made Saban the greatest just, call in the history yeah. of college football by going to Tua at halftime. But you got that lead. You should you should hold it. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Uh, I don't know. Venables is the interesting one, and we're going to get to him in a second. But Venables is interesting to me because I don't know exactly what he is yet. Uh, elite resume as a defensive coordinator. Clearly a jump in year two at Oklahoma from year one. But. I, you know, like Drinkowitz, like you said, if we had done this list at the beginning of last year, Drinkowitz would be bottom four, bottom five. Uh, so I can't take one 10 win season when Lane Kiffin's won't done two of them. And Heupel's done multiple of those at UCF and at Tennessee. Beamer's and... never lost a playoff game either, says Roger. It's <laughs> a very good point, Roger. Something to think about. Very, very good point. <laughs> <laughs> Josh Heupel, Shane Beamer, Billy Napier, Eli Drinkowitz, Mark Stoops, Brent Venables, Mike Elko, all combined undefeated in the college football playoff do you think it's fair or not to uh look at tails that guy's name ryan day ohio state coach i mean by virtually every measure he's done a great job at ohio state short of one damn game and if he if he loses that again they'll probably run his ass off even if he goes undefeated in the rest is that a is that a fair comp you think for DeBoer? Who, meaning, meaning what he has to accomplish at Alabama? In three years, let's say he wins every damn game except for when he faces Georgia, which is, I think that's realistic to, to sit here and project. Not that I, that will happen or anything like that, but let's let's say he you know, doesn't win a national championship, loses to Georgia twice or three times or what have you, and, but wins every other game. That, would they run his ass off, you think? Well, this is so this is what's fascinating. I mean, Short answer, if we played in the last year's system, yes, right? Like that, like Ryan Day's record is extraordinary. What is he like 65 and four or something like that? 65 and five. I'm I'm guessing off the top of my head here, but maybe it's like 55 and five. Pulling Um, it up. Yeah, go ahead and do that. But because I think it's a great question because Ryan Day, unfortunately, and yes, six and eight. Uh, 56 and eight. That's extraordinary. Danny says Ryan Day looks like a botched created, created character from a Bethesda game. Here's the thing. I do think there's no way that Ryan Day doesn't dye his beard and hair. There's just no way that's that's, <laughs> that's the natural color of his beard. That's not possible. But his record is extraordinary. But to your point, 0-3 against Michigan in the last three. He did get to a national championship game. 
but he's lost every other playoff game, and they got beat by Bama in that game, albeit a COVID year. You right. are judged at Ohio State in those games. That's the way you are judged. It's Whether you like it or not, that's how you're judged. You don't get judged at Ohio State by how you play against Indiana, Rutgers, and Maryland. How about you, this? Outside of the uh, uh, just regular season games, right? Okay. You said he's lost to Michigan three times? The last three, yeah. That means he has in one, two, well, f- let's just do full seasons. One, two, three, four, five. In five full seasons, Braden, he's lost one regular season game other than the Michigan ones. And that was to Oregon at home about three or four years ago. Get his ass out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but, you see, but here's ultimately the point with Ryan Day. How about this? I bet you I could do this off the top of my head. I bet you I could do this. Eight losses, right? In how many years? Six years? Six. And in 2018, for some reason, he's 3-0. and Did he, he must have been interim or something. Uh, I don't maybe. know. Okay, I don't know so, what's up so with that. Eight, eight total losses. One was Oregon, regular season. Three of those were Michigan. That's four. Mm-hmm. Lost to Bama in the national championship game. That's five. Lost to Georgia, which, by the way, was the best game Georgia really had all of last year, other than Missouri, maybe. It was Missouri and Ohio State that played Georgia better than anybody last year. Mm-hmm. So that's an eventual national champion. So that's that's three of these that he's lost to the eventual national champion, at least. Because right. uh, that's Bama, Georgia, Bama in 20, Ohio State in 22, and then Michigan this year. So that's how many have I got now? Three, four, five, six. You're six. just missing two. I'm missing two. And would have been the 2021... Not they didn't make the playoff in 2021, so I'm, I'm not. I don't know if they lost a bowl game that I don't give a shit about. Uh, I don't care about bowl game, other bowl games that don't count. So am I? What, what am I missing? They lose in the playoff in 19. They did to Cle- uh, Clemson. Clemson, yeah. And then okay. very right, recent so Mizzou. Oh, that's right. That one doesn't count. But yes, that, it that's, the, that's the last counts for Missouri. One. Counts for Missouri, right? But the point. I think your ultimate point is. What if Kalen DeBoer is 58 and eight and three of those losses are to Georgia and two of those losses are in the playoff. And then there's one other random one along, along the way somewhere like Tennessee, Tennessee gets them. Yeah. Whatever. Every Uh, year. Like, I don't know what you do at that point. I think you're, I think it's okay for Alabama to judge a coach at the same level that Ohio state judges a coach. But at the same time, Oh, the Big Ten doesn't have the same depth of schedule as the SEC, so I don't know. But Alabama, if, you know. if Michigan held that standard, would, would they would they wouldn't have won this latest national championship, right? Because didn't Harbaugh struggle? The patience, you mean? Yeah, no, yeah. they had they. You, you got to have some. I think you need to have more patience in the Big Ten. But like also, maybe this is uh, you know what do they say a loser mentality? Maybe it's a loser mentality. But if my coach is fifty six and eight. And we made two national championships, and we made a couple other playoffs. As long as there's no scandal, I can't imagine running that guy off because he's well, he's going to win eventually, I would think, or at least keep keep chopping, keep chopping at that. Well, or at least keep getting us there. You know, and there's no and there's here's the thing, and this is the hard comparison, right? Like Harbaugh, we kind of always knew he was either going to win a national championship or go to the NFL at some point. Like that was going to happen at some point. Like he he's too volatile to, to not explode. Like Hugh Freeze at Auburn. Hugh Freeze might win a national championship. I don't think he will, but he could. But it's going to explode. It's going to blow up in their face at some point. The same way Jimbo Fisher did. The same way you know Coach O and like these guys that aren't able to like look at what's happening at Auburn right now. <laughs> like 
what happened? I mean, it's it's already nuts what's happening at Auburn. It's too volatile. You can't. It's not sustainable. You can win. You can pop up and win big once, but you can't. You can't do it sustainably. I think Alabama, like Georgia's not, this is the problem. Like Kirby Smart is not Jim Harbaugh. Kirby Smart is not this, like, I don't know. Harbaugh is such a one-of-one one guy. Like Kirby Smart's not, he could not, Kirby Smart could be the head coach of Georgia for 15 more years. So uh, if you're Ryan Day and you keep losing to Jim Harbaugh for 15 more years, yeah, you're going to get your ass run out of town. But Kirby, like they kind of know that Jim Harbaugh was, you had to go sometime. He was going to go to the NFL. Well, I just looked it up. I didn't realize Ohio State was this pathetic, Braden, given their bravado. They've got two national championships in the last 50 years. 02 and 14, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, so that's, they that's got one 30 more, than, more years to lose them before they yeah. get mad at this man, I think. That's one more than Tennessee. That's one more than Auburn. That's Yeah, one, but uh, Tennessee ain't running high Florida. Off, you know? <laughs> same, I'm just trying numbers. to figure out why their championship are bust. Because they never, never win them. Do you know how many losing seasons they've had? In in the last fifty years, can you do you know? I have no idea. One, and it was because they went six and seven in a bowl game. Well, won, I mean, Ryan won, Day's not losing. We just went through won. it. Fifty six and eight. No, that ain't but you losing. asked you asked what the ex, why the expectations are that high. It's because they are in their recession. Ohio State is recession proof. They are the only program in college football that has not had a losing season in like fifty years. They had one when when Luke Fickle took over as like the interim coach after Urban Meyer, and they went six and seven. Like they're the only program that's done it. Tennessee went zero and eight recently <laughs> in the I don't conference. Remember that in the conference? I think we threw those Auburn, records out. There was Auburn team- went zero and eight after winning a national championship. Like teams go up and down. Ohio State's never had that. But they never go down ever. Good for them. But good for them. But all right, you want to talk Oklahoma here? All right, here's yes, my sir. list. Here's my list. Kirby Smart one, Brian Kelly two. Steve Sarkeesian, three. Kaylin Dubois, four. Lane, Lane Kiffin, five. Josh Eiple, six. Eli Drinkowitz, seven. Uh, Mike Elko, eight. Brent Venables, nine. Hugh Freeze, ten. Mark Stoops, 11. Billy Napier, 12. Shane Beamer, 13. I'll move Levy down to 16 and go Pittman, 14. Lee, 15. Levy, 16. Purely because it's a question mark. That's my list. So, that's Couldn't my be list. more wrong. That's fine. That's what the internet's for. Uh, all right. Brent Venables has a chance to move up this list very quickly if they're good this year. I don't think if you go back, go over to the 440 Sports YouTube page, if you're not already there, and check out my long conversation with Josh McQuiston. He and I um, sort of got into the state of the program, how it's evolved over 20 years since Bob Stoops won a national championship in 1999. The Lincoln Riley years into the Brent Venable years. How good is the NIL collective infrastructure behind the scenes? Can they recruit along the defensive line? And what are people excited about from an Oklahoma standpoint? So a lot of stuff. And I want to get, I want you to just ask questions, but Venables, they, they, one of the most disappointing seasons in the, of the year, two years ago, preseason top 10 team losing record. Not a lot of times does that happen once every couple of years in college football, but they bounce back and they win 10 games this year. The problem is, is that if you listen to that conversation, Mike, there's the expectations for from Josh on this particular Oklahoma team, and he's covered them for over 20 years, he didn't seem all that playoff 10, 11 win type of expectation. He said more like seven and five, eight and four with how tough the schedule could be is, on, is, a, is a possibility. I don't know how Oklahoma would take to that, but if like they have a new offensive coordinator, a new quarterback, and no offensive lineman returning, and they're joining the SEC. So while I think they're built for success, I think 
they're they need to there need to maybe be some pumping the brakes uh, in 2024 potentially. What'd you make of it? Well, what if um, Jackson Arnold, their freshman quarterback, that you totally disrespected his performance in the bowl game? What if he's awesome because he flashed some awesomeness now. He flashed being a true freshman in that bowl game too. It they had six turnovers and and a lot of that was on his shoulders. But again, first first start, you know they fooled him with some of the coverages and whatnot. But could he take a a big step forward? And, and yes. I mean any step forward clearly because he's not really been a starter. Uh, what if he's let's say he's a top five quarterback in the SEC, which that's probably a lot given the veterans that are returning. But could Nico be a top five quarterback in the SEC? I th- I think he's could be better than that even. Then then Arnold can too. They're both equal pedigree. Five right. star five star recruit, number one player in the country, kind of good. So, so while I think it's wise to have reasonable expectations given all the unknown of playing in the SEC, uh, you know that's that's obviously a great equalizer. If he's awesome, I, there, I there's, think there's no reason they can't win double digit games. So, and and I will say, while Josh was pumping the brakes on expectations, one of the things he said to me in that interview was that Jackson Arnold is, is as special a player that has been on OU's campus since before, like, Lincoln Riley got there. He basically is saying this is one of the best players at quarterback to ever step onto their campus, which, again, is why, <laughs> is, is why Dylan Gabriel is in Oregon. Um, Danny says, did you watch those two guys play in bowl games? I Guys... Bowl games aren't real life. Did anybody watch Joe Milton playing a bowl game? It's not real life. It's great that Nico looked great. I think Nico's going to be better. My point is, is that they're they're they are the same thing right now. They are a five-star recruit, elite freshman who got to play got to play in a bowl game and is going to start as a as a is going to be a starter next year. And they get to go head to head in the first SEC game of the year. <laughs> so, I think Nico's better. Yes, but what my point is that that when 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 people I re- respect cover Oklahoma and are looking at this kid every day saying, look, this is the best player we've seen at this position since before Kyler Murray. Like that's a big statement. Guys don't say that stuff just to say it. Like it's the same reason Tennessee people are saying that about Nico, right? Like this is the biggest, best hyped player that we've seen since Peyton Manning. You don't say that on accident. They had a freshman receiver too, break the uh, all time record for touchdowns. Scott in a a season, true freshman. I, I believe his name's Nick Anderson. It's a nice little weapon to have there too. They need. They have no offensive line. They got to get the offensive line fixed. That's the problem at Oklahoma. Uh, I do think the infrastructure of the program, much like Texas, is set up for success in the SEC. But I think there will be growing pains. I really don't good think- uh, offensive line coach too. Who's the offensive line coach? Bo Beatno or something. I, I butchered his name, but uh, he's been there <laughs> forever, right? I I think Texas is better suited to win immediately but i think both of them are set up to win long term but i think there's going to be some like i there think you have bill bed yes bed there you go bow. thank you thank you <laughs> i think you have excuse me i think you have to add a loss for going from the big 12 schedule to the sec schedule if not a second loss want me to throw and the we, schedule up here and if you're adding a freshman quarterback who i think could be elite there's going to be a couple there might be a game or two in which you have to learn and that's going to be the case for nico as well the good What's fun about the SEC this year is that we've talked about this. There are a lot of established. I see a lot of wins there. A lot of established star quarterbacks at good places. A lot of Jaylen tricky Milgo. games too, though. Two, two lane, week three. Look, Duke, you got coach, so right. You got Quinn Ewers. 
you got Brady Cook, you got Jalen Milrow, you got Jackson Dart, you got Nico, and you got L- and that's and LSU and Auburn. That that is a brutal schedule. Brutal schedule. Uh, Tulane and Houston is no joke in the non-conference. So, I think Oklahoma eight and four would be a good year. I think for a freshman, and if Arnold shows that he's supposed to be the guy and is clearly the guy, and they go eight and four against that schedule, and they lose to, let's say, Bama, Texas, Tennessee, and LSU. Let's say. I, I don't think there's any shame in that season for Oklahoma. Mm. And 10 and 2 is on the, on the table if Jackson Arnold is great. Looks like an SEC schedule to me. Welcome to the league, boys. <laughs> it's a, that's a nasty schedule, man. Yep. Exactly, Andrew. Only five guarantees. And I don't think, I don't think get, the guarantees are not always what we, we always think that games are guaranteed wins or losses on schedules. And then the season gets here and crazy shit happens. So. Right. M- Mizzou was a guaranteed win for a lot of people this year until they actually had to face that yep. team. Yep, I agree. Uh, if, if if OU goes 10-2 and two with this schedule, Brett Venable should get $10 million a year. I, I tend to agree with you, and that's from an OU fan, so respect for self-awareness and uh, being objective. I appreciate that from fans. I know that's not... I'm not used to that. Fan not is... Not in the SEC. You gotta, you're going to have to burn that. Fan is not short for logical or reasonable. It is short <laughs> for fanatic. It's short for fanatic, so... Um, otherwise I, I think Oklahoma is in a interest. I think both Texas and Oklahoma are in really healthy spots. I trust Steve Sarkeesian and I trust Texas's roster more right now today than Oklahoma by a pretty good chunk, but I like where Oklahoma's going. So how big of an issue is it replacing both coordinators though, as they're making this transition and, and they, they lost Levy because he got a head coaching job. So I'm not, not knocking them, not saying it was a disaster. Defense was a little rough. I I never like that Ted Roof hire, but yeah, Brent Venables knows a hell of a lot more about defense than I do. Now he's hiring someone that he's worked with before. Could how how big of a question mark is that for you? I mean, I think it, I think transitioning away from a starting quarterback and a coordinator, and again losing almost all. I think it's all five starters on the offensive line are gone. Doing all of that at one time and moving into the SEC is not a recipe for success. Um, but. Brent Venables is improving the defense. They've got a lot of guys on that side of the ball coming back and they took a major step forward from year one to year two. So there is, there, there is some progress here, but as Gash says, we want the smoke. Let's find out early. I agree. Take your lumps. Now change your coordinator, put in the freshman quarterback, move into the sec, play the hard schedule. All that shit will benefit you in 2025. And Seth Latrell, the new coordinator, he was there. He was an analyst, so it's not like yeah, totally foreign to what they're doing. But uh, and a, and a and a guy with head coaching experience at North Texas, he's been around this area of the country for a long time. Like he's mm-hmm. he's a pretty solid coordinator. I don't think he's an elite coordinator, but he's pretty solid. Um, but I think the defense, you you don't worry about it as much because Venables is the guy on that side of the ball, and they're recruiting better on that side of the ball than they have in a while. And I think that is ultimately when I talked to Josh, Oklahoma was known for its elite defensive line play under the first era of Bob Stoops from like 99 to like 2009. They were known for great defenses. And then when Gerald McCoy left, big-time recruit, five-star kid, defensive lineman, elite player, after he left, they never really started recruiting that defensive line the same way. And I think that Venables is trying to get him back to that. And I think that's where they can – you got to do that in the SEC. You got to do it in the SEC if you want to win at the highest level. Can we pick one upset – for uh, Oklahoma on their schedule? 
Bad, bad or good? Like they lose or they win? No, I guarantee. Uh, we're right now. We're picking the Sooners to win a game. Well, they'll they'll likely be an underdog next season. All right, so they'll be an underdog against Texas and Alabama for sure. I, I think don't Ad know Ole Miss about. I don't sure. know if they're an underdog at Ole Miss or Missouri. It depends on how the season goes. And I, I think at LSU they're an underdog. But yes, everyone in there in the comments is saying Texas. Yes, the Texas Oklahoma game is constantly an upset. Charlie Strong beat a very good Bob Stoops team. So, so I I think te- losing to Texas would be an upset probably. So that would be an upset that or beating Texas would be an upset. So I think that would qualify. But Texas might be out for revenge. I, I think ultimately I don't know Ole Miss, LSU, Missouri, those three. I don't know who would be favored in those games right now. Probably the other team, but I'm but I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm going Bama. Go I love it. Go for it. Defending SEC champion, Alabama. You'll beat them. <laughs> um, all right. I Anyway, we're going to have deep dives. Uh, I've got a big one coming for you guys about the state of Alabama. So we got that one coming up this week. So make sure you stay tuned. Uh, we're going to dive into the state of Alabama. Not Alabama Crimson Tide, but the entire state of football so you're going to want to tune in for that one that one's coming up this week on the youtube page 440 sports over there uh of course uh let me ask you this i just thought of something real quick michael and steven last yeah go ahead well alabama do you think well they still have that i don't know what's what is the word allure that you know that they have right now with under nick saban or or do you think that's lost with the more the the aura yeah, I guess that's there. You go. Um, no, I don't. I think you've. I think it's as long as Nick Saban's kind of like the ghost of Nick Saban is wandering around the facility aimlessly. I maybe that's there. Maybe that's the aura you're talking about. Is he's just still around, um, which I think is interesting. Uh, but I, I don't know. I think the answer is no. I, I immediately look at Alabama as a team that you can beat, but I also think they're going to be better in certain places. I think they're going to be better at on offense. So. Uh, it's going to be see. It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see. I but absolutely, you can't. Nick Saban can't leave and have it like they don't have the same. Uh, you know, you put on like a horror movie and you just know that your shoulders are tense. You know, <laughs> like you're just like tense on the couch watching a movie. Like when Alabama plays and you play against Alabama, you're always fucking tense. You know what I mean? You're just like ah. What that's, happens? That's if, gone uh, for now until he proves it. What What happens if he loses three of the first six games? Uh, Does Nick Saban step back in and fix it? Buildings start burning in Tuscaloosa. I don't know what you want me to say. Can we see that interim Nick Saban? Uh, no, that seems unlikely. I, 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 I mean, you talk to folks too. I talk to, fo- I talk to a lot of the same folks. It strikes me as that that this guy is he, he's not he's not lingering around to come back. He's lingering because he wants to make sure the transition is complete. And that I don't think he's around there at the end of this summer. I think he knows by the time camp opens up that he's got to be out of there. So <laughs> he's got to be out of there. Um, thank you guys for the compliments. A couple of you guys, SH, few others, uh, Liquid Flames, giving a subscription and, of course, uh, complimenting the page. We do appreciate you guys. Um, that's really, really, we, we do. We really appreciate it. We're going to do a lot of deep dive stuff into the SEC. So um, we think we think that this is why Mike and I started working together is that we we wanted to offer a complete holistic experience on the YouTube pages here of being an SEC football fan. And uh, hopefully that's what's happening. So tune into his appearance on fine bomb today. Uh, thank you guys all for listening and for watching and for rating and for reviewing. And please would also 
be a big help if you could share the product if you do like it or if you hate it share the product that's fine too uh we do appreciate it i i'm honored i don't know who it was that that came on here and said no one cares about my opinions no you're right no one does but the fact that you took the time to log on to youtube watch the show and then make that comment made my entire day i am so i'm so absolutely uh ecstatic that you took the time to tell me that i suck i do appreciate it uh mike always a pleasure my man good to see you you can follow him all over all the platforms at sec Mike, of course, uh, you can get to me at Braden Gall. Subscribe, 440 Sports. We do appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Stay warm out there. Stay safe out there. And we'll talk to you next Tuesday right here on SEC Football Live.